Revelator Podcast Network listeners, we're calling on you. We could use your help. We're courting our very first sponsor for the network. We're working with Manscaped over on Kyle's Valheim Bulletin. If you haven't subscribed to that show, make sure you do. It's a wonderful video game. I I could talk about it forever. What I'm here to tell you about is you can get 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code KVB, like Kyle's Valheim Bulletin, right? So KVB, do that. Get yourself one of their new products. They just sent me the Lawnmower 4.0 that just came out here in May, and it's really, really nice. So check it out. If you got a guy in your life that you want to buy these for or anyone that you want to send these to, they got a whole range of products up there going on now. Use code KVB. You're literally helping the network and this show grow by doing that. Get 20% off, free shipping, KVB, like Kyle's Valheim Bulletin. Thank you so much. Hello, everybody. Kyle here. Welcome back to a new episode of the Chaos and Shadow podcast. I'm joined here by my co-host, Pagan. Pagan, how are you doing this week? I am good. I'm excited to dive back into this now that I'm able to digest some of it. Oh, <laughs> my there was gosh. so much that we talked about in the last time that we talked about this. So I'm kind of I came with more questions. I came with more, you know, uh deeper thoughts on things. So I'm excited. I'm really excited to talk about this. So Me let's do it. too. <laughs> yes. For everyone tuning in, this is our part two on the Gateway Experience. Highly recommend you go and listen to part one if you haven't already. To give yes. you a teaser, we are talking about the CIA's report uh, working with the Monroe Institute on a technique called hemisync and how the CIA considered using astral projection and other means of Uh, remote viewing and such in the defense of this country against the Soviet Union in the Cold War. It's very steeped in, I mean, this is steeped in such interesting spy stuff because, I I mean, the U.S.'s interest in it spiked because of reports that the Soviets were into it. They had successful hits uh, through different programs. We were talking last week about I think we briefly mentioned the Stargate program. We're talking gateway here primarily, but Stargate's one with the Stanford uh, Research Institute. They were able to successfully spy on Soviet stuff where they, it's just very, very interesting and it can go on forever. I I tease people because it is the tip of an iceberg, uh, but it's also an iceberg that's hard to find information about. Pagan, how was your indoctrination into it all when you were doing this deep dive how did you find consuming it uh it's confusing i i will be very clear it is confusing it is not something that you can consume in a weekend um like i was telling you before we started recording today that i feel like this could be like a year-long study and you still wouldn't know everything And it's not that that's a bad thing. It's one of those things that if you're somebody like me who wants to understand exactly how everything ticks and works, I have to come to grips that this will take time. (laughs) It's one of those things that you just cannot consume it in a weekend, but you can play with it in a weekend. And that's the cool thing about it. That's one of those things that if you're willing to kind of start to open up the the psychic senses, the the pineal gland, whatever, or pineal gland, however you want to pronounce it, into your brain and you want to start working with that. That's one of those things that I will say, you could start that in a weekend, but by no means will you master it in a weekend. So if you're into it and you want to dive deep into it, please do. 
because I think it's really going to be worth it. And it's cool though, because I'm coming at this more from an occult perspective. As you guys know, I'm kind of the occulty person here and Kyle's more of the occult slash scientific brain here. And so he's coming at it from the more of the scientific perspective. And I'm coming at it from that occult perspective, because that's where I know how to do stuff like this from is doing it through the psychic senses and the psychic training through witchcraft and it's really cool how the two very much overlap. And it's been a really interesting experience to kind of see, learn more about it from the scientific perspective and ask the questions that we're going to talk about today. We have a lot of cool questions I want to bring up. Very much so. I, I love that. And and there's a lot to it, Pagan. You you really set us up for something great. Uh, I, I wanted to call out, I was reading this to you the other day. I, 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 this is a quote coming out of... The mysterious page 25 of the CIA's analysis and assessment of the gateway process. We'll get to why that page is a little bit spooky here in a second or, you know, the mystery behind it. But what I want to read out, um, this this actually is coming from the Vice article about it, too. We'll have this all linked for everybody. But uh, this is actually the Vice author saying the crucial distinction between the breakthroughs in modern physics and the epiphanies of religious thinkers is the way they all found the absolute. Whereas physics leans on quantitative research, religion relies on intuition. The gateway then sort of showed up just in time, a holistic mainline for interfacing with the universal hologram, freeing us from the limitations of left brain logic-based culture. Whew! Okay, a couple things to unpack there. We're going to talk about this more. Pagan, keep keep me to this, but we're going to talk about the absolute in more detail. Uh, just a very, very quick summary of that for everyone right here, right now. The absolute, we teased it last week too, is kind of a, it's a space of unlimited creative energy. Most religions believe in this in some way, shape, or form. So based on your background, you already probably have a term for this. Uh, but, but uh, you know, many ways to think of it would be like God particle energy or like whatever creation okay. is, but boundless. Yeah, right? It just boundless energy in in some space. That would be the absolute. And so what the author is trying to draw a bridge between is what you were saying, Pagan, that many people, religious thinkers, occult practitioners, uh, anyone that has some spirituality may already find themselves in a space where they can connect with some other sort of intelligence or the astral project or, you know, whatever, again, terms they might want to ascribe to a very similar phenomena. Uh, the author here is saying for those people like like me uh, who have a hard time opening our brains to that, that this is where this gateway process comes in through using things like hemisync and these this tape technique where people are putting themselves into a a, a relaxed state and and through some pretty tried and true tactics. I mean, you've you've talked uh, with me briefly about what's in the hemisync stuff, and it's very mm-hmm. traditional in many ways. There's the process of the tuning, like we talked last week. I think the resonant tuning, where someone's doing like the mmm, and they're like channeling a vibration. So yes, we have the vibrations, and I want to just call out really mm-hmm. quickly as you read this. I have Matt Oren's Psychic Witch open next to me. And the interesting thing is when you were talking about the uh, 
the holographic universe. Yeah. The page that I'm open to is actually talking about the holographic reality uh-huh. and tapping into the holographic universe and the universal mind. And I just thought that that was incredibly synchronistic. And I'm just like, what? Okay. All right. We're, we're legitimately, literally on the same page. Right. Two books. But I thought that was super cool. Uh, I love that. So, it, yes, it, entirely. Yeah. It is one of those things that it's still connecting to something that I guess you could say is perceived differently. So, if you're somebody that you would say is more left brained or more scientific based, mm-hmm. this might be the easiest way for you to tap into universal power energies or energies of out there in the beyond, whatever you all want to call it. There's so many different terminologies for it. But if you're somebody that's more creative brained or more um, religious focused, then yeah, using your intuition, it's still the same thing that we're tapping into. We're just taking two different roads to get there. Exactly. That's what's really cool about this. It's one of those things that, yeah, it sounds really scary and confusing because there's so much jargon to go with it. But at the same time, if you're already somebody who's, you know, practicing meditation and, you know, trance states and stuff like that, you already have your foot in the door. It's very similar in those things. And it's super cool that we're getting to learn the two different roads and see the two different ways to get there. I completely agree. And and that seems to be the success here uh, with it for many people is that it's not asking folks to do things outside of their comfort zone. Uh, In fact, in many ways, again, to those that are not religiously minded, this focuses on a lot of the things that get people into trance states very quickly versus some of the more kind of fluff that might come along with other traditional rituals. Because in creating a ritual, you know, a lot of it is setting the atmosphere because that's so important. But also if you're Mm -hmm. trying to get a scientist into a, a trance state, invoking all kinds of deities and stuff like that in their presence is probably going to do the opposite, right? Especially in the case we're talking all these military men going in and doing this kind of remote viewing process, especially a a lot of these guys were very young in these, like these were like 18 year olds a lot of the time. So uh, sitting all these guys down and, and doing very like out there techniques may not have worked, but in the case of this very simple, you're going to, you know, follow again the distilled version. It seemed to have some really cool payoff, and I completely agree with what you said then too about uh, if you've already had some practice in this, you're going to feel a little bit maybe ahead of the game, and and that makes me think, Pagan, should we go? And we didn't talk uh, last week, like you were calling out to me about all the different focus states. Should we? kind of jump into that now or did you have any more questions before then well i have one that you know kind of going back to Mm -hmm. what you were talking about with the military guys so for going into a meditative state with like the occult side a lot of times they tell you to you know do you do dimly lit rooms uh because it actually activates the uh brain waves to help you get into that higher consciousness is that still hold true on this side of the fence with with the hemisync stuff uh, yeah, so the, I'll make a quick clarification just for for the for the audience and just me not like confusing anyone. Um, there we mentioned the Stargate project versus the Gateway project. The Gateway analysis is is this specific hemisync thing, and in which case they do mm-hmm. encourage dimming the lights. Um, 
Although I don't think you need it. I've had I, I've had success doing this in, in broad daylight, um, trying to get into these hemisync states. So for me, the lighting hasn't been a huge component. I will say in the, the other, the Stargate style stuff with that remote viewing, they were not doing as much sem- sensory deprivation to my knowledge. Like they... I think we're having people sit in pretty sterile office rooms um, just as part of, you know, military buildings, like just (laughs) basic, bland old stuff. And um, they'd be like, here, sit in this room and you're going to think about this. And then they'd have someone else sit in another room and think about the opposite, about the receiving end of it and kind of channel it from there. But that being said, a bunch of different styles. This is very much about experimentation, I think is a lot of it. So I, I I give you a mixed answer. I think it's going to depend on the person most of all. That's totally fair. And that's completely the same thing that we would say with the occult too. They say if you're new to meditation that you should try to, uh, you know, dim the lights and all that because it'll help you. And if I'm really in an in tune kind of week with my meditations, yeah, I don't need to dim the lights. I can just have the curtains open and everything's good to go. Uh, other weeks, yeah, I need it dim because the bright light bothers me and I still see it and it distracts me. So uh, I think that's kind of cool that it still translates over again. It's one of those things that, again, we're seeing two different roads, but they're saying kind of the same thing and we're going the same direction with it. So that's really cool. Yeah, it's it's uh, all well, I, I will say from the Monroe Institute side of things, very much about putting a scientific perspective to it all, or at least that's what came through in both of the sides of it. The military mm-hmm. and uh, the Monroe Institute is that people they were trying to find terminology that was different than that used in the occult to try and separate some of it. But ultimately, it's fascinating to me that it ends up proving itself. Uh, We kind of were talking about that last week, but where we sit with the state of our quantum understanding in science, I mean, so much of this stuff is in abstract ways starting to be proven to exist, which is all the more fun to me. I mean, we sit on a precipice of very interesting science is all I can say. Um, It's going to be a wild ride as as people keep working on this. Um, Oh, we haven't mentioned it in this episode, but I literally just the other day picked up a $200 EEG headband uh to use for our experiments so when we talk about sitting on an interesting end of science it's questionable i'm trying it out it suffers from the fact that it is consumer grade it's not a full medical grade one we're talking about the type of machine everyone that measures your alpha delta beta gamma etc all those brain waves and it keeps track this one's nice it keeps your heart rate and everything in there uh, and it also then extrapolates through some little algorithms. It's it's an iPhone app with this uh, in conjunction. And it, it has all this documentation explaining, like, what, what variables they take into effect. But they have some summaries at the bottom to try and explain, like, when you were in a relaxed state versus a focused state. So it's it's pretty cool. It's meant to be biofeedback for meditators so that you can actually – work on getting to different states. And this is where Hemisync comes into play again. This is people getting their brain to different brainwave states, trying to explore, trying to get out of the body. And I mean, they came up with some interesting techniques by adding, uh, you know, Hemisync again is adding different audio tones in the ears 
mixed with like mm-hmm. a guided meditation and uh, off and on your way. So I got the EEG to see if I can follow along. As I'm doing the Hemisync stuff, I can now also monitor where my brain is with it, which is super cool. And it gives you summaries and all kinds of cool stuff. It is super cool. And that would be something interesting to, you know, test one of those things to kind of do a scientific experiment um, with the Hemisync version and then just a traditional, you know, spiritual meditation and see if you end up on the same, you know, wavelengths with the, the other person. Yeah, that would be really, really cool. And that also segues us to the idea that we are, folks, we're going to start doing more experiments with everybody, especially over in the Gilded server. We've been talking about this for a while, but gilded.gg forward slash RPN. Get in over there. We are doing all kinds of goodies. We're going to actually do a seance, a virtual seance this weekend. That will be mm-hmm. the, what's the date here? The 29th at 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 p.m. Pacific. So if you're looking to join in on that, that's going to be absolutely wonderful. I just, I can't wait. So I had to talk about that right now. Let people know. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm super excited for it. It's going to be really cool. You know, and it's one of those things that, we are so excited to not only be talking about this really cool topic, but also to be experimenting with it and seeing where it will take everything that we want to do with the, in terms of the paranormal. Uh, but we'll talk more about that in, the, in a little bit, but uh, I do want to kind of bounce back mm-hmm. and go back to the focuses and hear more about what they are, those states, those focus states. Yeah, this will probably lead us naturally towards where, where you were kind of going anyway a second ago. We, yes. we did talk last episode. Um, we were giving so many breadcrumbs because, again, this can't... I watched... How many hours would that have been, Kyle? I probably gave you guys ballpark and already forgot. I'd say like four plus hours of people talking about this on YouTube the one night just to like get a grasp of the document. This stuff, can we could make this forever and we're trying to keep it summarized. So in last week's, we teased about these focus states but didn't go into detail. Uh, I, I, I think a way to explain this would be that many people with their guided meditation will use visual landscapes, and those do not work for me. I can't visualize going somewhere or doing something. Or if I do, the thing is my brain, my brain fills in all the details, which is just way too much work. So if you're talking about like, okay, Kyle, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're laying down, you're, you're, you're very calm, you hear the rhythmic waves. Now imagine you're walking along the beach or something like that. My brain starts being too busy, like setting the scene. Instead, with Hemisync, they walk you through these focus states, which are just different areas of your brain interacting with itself. Uh, and and so Robert Monroe starts walking you through. You're going to go to focus one, focus two, and then focus three is the first place they stop you in the, the first initial Hemisync one. At that stage, you, you're supposed to feel... Uh, like your body and your mind are are more in sync. It's it's you get you getting used to the hemisync rhythmic tones in your ears, and then in the next episode, you're moving on from focus three to focus ten. So focus three doesn't really play a huge part. It's kind of just a very initial goalpost. Um, focus ten is the state that people will be using a lot. This is the one that people know the phrase from: mind awake, body asleep. And this is where you will be getting up to, again, they count you through it, 
the first time. They teach you some meditative techniques like focusing on different body parts and kind of releasing those and moving on. Uh, and you, again, wind up at focus 10. You're supposed to feel like your mind is a little more freed at this state and able to just go and explore from there. That's, I, I guess, a launching pad is where I would say. So, Pagan, what right. what's your thinking of this kind of... Um, I don't know. How does that relate with meditations and such that you've done this kind of like open area? So for me, I would say that the the focus 10 state sounds a lot like what I call the lobby state um, or it, the astral lobby, whichever you want, really want to call it. So uh, for me, when I get really into it and I'm kind of at that point where I can my brain can go off and do whatever it needs to do. Meaning that if I want to go commune with, you know, my deities or spirits or whatever it may be, uh, or reach out to somebody or, you know, just wander through the astral realm, whatever you want to do, that's my starting point when I get to that spot. So that's always the place where I start. And that's the place I come back to when I'm done. And that's my place that takes me back to reality or takes me into the astral, whichever direction I'm going. So does that make sense? Does that kind does. of correlate with what you're saying? It does. Now, I, I will draw. I, I, I don't know, actually, if there is much of a distinction to draw for myself or for you. But just for clarity's sake, as I, as I read again, some of the stuff that the, uh, the author of the Vice article has drawn out for the next coming states um focus 12 is where the practitioner is supposed to achieve a sufficient under expanded awareness and this is where their body is supposed to start interacting with dimensions beyond their physical reality so this to me is, is i guess formally where people might start to use the term astral so again i was just drawing a quick um I guess, you know, line of sorts, at least in focus 10, I th it seems to be more focused on you being here and now in your body, able to explore your mind, but a little bit of outside of it, maybe even the room, if you will, because I think focus 10 might be a launching point to more like out of body experiences, even if you're not, okay. even if you're not so, yeah. traveling through the astral. Okay. So focus 12 sounds more like the astral lobby that I was describing. That very well might focus be. focus yes. 10 is the stepping outside the body and you kind of get to look around and kind of see everything um, if you're doing that kind of travel. Um, for me, when I project, I, it's really weird for, it's so funny when you try to describe astral projection, because it's different for everybody. No, I've never come across anybody. No, that's not true. I've come across one person who projects just like me and everybody else is different. And that's totally cool because everybody's brain is different and you're going to work differently. So for me, when I project, if I'm doing a conscious project projection versus a sleep projection, um, I will step outside my body and then I will kind of let the physical world dissipate. And that's where I go into that lobby state. It's kind of like just walking away from the, the physical. And then I can go and do that. It's like if I still wanted to see the physical, I could. But if I want to go and communicate with something of a higher consciousness that's in the astral, essentially, that's when I let the world dissipate, if that uh -huh. makes sense. That does, indeed. And I, I love the comparisons between other people's experiences and getting into the astral and such. Um, 
And, and it's it's a little bit tricky for me to sit here as, as someone who is just experiencing the hemisync stuff for myself for the first time. Um, there are people that have been doing this for 30 years or so or, you know, some extended. They've been doing it my entire life, I'm sure. I mean, seriously, <laughs> I've been finding tapes up there of people that got interested and started doing the Monroe Institute stuff in the early 90s. And I'm like, oof. I was probably two when you got involved. So I am uh, very, uh, very much on the outskirts looking in on this. I, I will say as an institution, they're still going strong doing all of their, their tapes and such. I, we talked last week very briefly that they have some organizational troubles seemingly going on there per these Vice articles. But uh, hey, there's a lot of stuff out there if people want to play around with it. We were talking mm-hmm. about focus 10 and, and 12 here uh, the big thing that they also or, or why people might want to go the hemisync route they talk uh, about how achieving focus 12 actually has more conscious effort and more pink and white noise introduced from the sound stream which i think is very very interesting especially when we talk about these next two and where you're going so okay so question yeah. what is pink noise I know uh, what white noise is, but what is pink noise? Pink noise is just a different sound wave of it. There's actually a bunch of them. I mean, this is my understanding. I'm sorry, everybody. This is totally just my layman's term for it. But when you go into like white noise apps and all that, there are different mm-hmm. labels for it. White noise is just the one we all tend to know. Uh, pink noise it might be higher frequency from memory. I, I okay. don't love them all, but there are a lot. So, you know, honestly, if you like open up Spotify or something like after this uh, and type in, you know, white noise, pink noise, there's I want to say who I want to say there's a bunch of different colors worth. But I think the color associations just again to differentiate all of them. That's neat, though. I, yeah. I never heard that before. And it, you know, when you hear about like white noise, it, there's different types of white noise, but it's all like lumped together like an umbrella term kind of thing so that's why when you're like pink noise and i'm like what what is that that's new (laughs) so that's cool i'm excited to learn something new today i don't know i'm actually gonna look it up just very quickly to see what google says uh because it says "Mm, pink noise or one dash f noise is a signal process with a frequency spectrum that is such that this power spectral density is inversely proportional to the frequency of the signal. Frequency spectrum such that the power spectral density is inversely proportional. Uh-huh. I Well, okay. I mean, I can understand some of those words separately, but when you put them all in a <laughs> sentence oh, like that, right. <laughs> I can pretend I scratched my beard sort of thing like I knew it was going on, but I don't. Huh. And the Wikipedia page okay. does not like <laughs> make me feel any better, but it does have a sample at the top. I let's can we, can we hear this? Is this gonna be? Hold on, we're gonna play this. Let's see. Oh yeah. Okay, here we'll let Peggy. This is it. This is Pink Noise. You enjoying it? No. <laughs> no. Okay. okay. Well, there we go. There you go. That's okay. I'm not a big white noise fan, other than like you know, I the only white noise that I have constantly is like a fan. But beyond that, like, no, I I don't listen to the white noise stuff. So it says pink noise has equal energy in all octaves of frequency. So in terms of power at a constant bandwidth, pink noise falls off at three decibels per octave. At high enough frequencies, pink noise is never dormant. 
white noise has equal energy per frequency interval. So yeah, it, it's just, uh, it's very interesting because it has different effects on the human body. It says, however, humans still differentiate between pink and white noise with ease. So I, I don't know this. I mean, it's all the idea of what can sound do to the body as you and I've talked about for things like infrasound in the past. Yeah. There is a lot. And that is why Hemison came about. It's not out of any like insane ideas other than Robert Monroe going, I'm into radio broadcasting. They own radio stations at the time. So why don't we play with sound to see how it affects people? Because different waves, different vibrations seem to have different uh, different effects on the body. So for again, for those that have a harder time going about it, uh, a less scientific, almost more religious way, Hemisync kind of serves as that bridge, like the author of the Vice article called out. And that's where I think it kind of plays in to a lot of our experiments, because Focus 12, or we, so we just talked about Focus 12, Focus 15 is where this stuff gets very, this might get out of, out of people's normal astral stuff, too. So Focus 15 is about travel into the past. It says additional sound on the Hemisync tapes includes more of the same, plus some more subliminal suggestions to further expand the consciousness. The instructions are highly symbolic. Time is seen as a huge wheel in which different spokes give access to a uh, participant's past. So with that kind of brief explanation, it's why I say I, that might fall outside of some people's traditional astral travel, where they might be physically traveling to a different location or anything of that sort. In this one, this is a specific state of mind where you're intending to go to the past. And again, following the Hemisync kind of mantra here of science, you're intending to be able to do this pretty much on cue almost. You know, you're teaching yourself mm -hmm. to just be able to go in and do that on command. So when it comes to the astral side of things, from my experience, uh, like if I'm doing like past life readings or anything like that, uh, that's one of those things where I have been able to go back and look in the past and look into even like my own past life memories. So that's kind of one of those things that maybe that kind of is the same thing. I, I, I say that questioning because, you know, it's one of those things where we're again, I, I've mentioned as before, we're on two different roads going the same direction. Mm -hmm. But is this the same kind of thing? Are we are we just seeing the other side of the fence with it? Could be. So, um, you know, that's kind of one of those things that uh, one of my questions that I, I came to the table with today mm -hmm. was yeah. that when we were talking about these different states briefly in the last episode, I'm curious how that would work for psychic readings. And Ooh. if those states could, if you could reach those states and they could... I guess, give you a different psychic reading on, you know, a person or something like that. Were you able to tap into that person's past or tap into their future um, or tap into their present and give them kind of a full picture kind of um, look at things, if that makes sense? Yeah. So I, I'm curious about that. I don't know if that's a thing that could be done, but it would be fun to try. Yes, very specifically. Now, I, I so focus twenty one very briefly is is viewing into the future. So just like we were saying with fifteen, twenty twenty one is now looking into the future. And so building on what you just said, Pagan, and building off, I, I left off on the terribly boring instructions last week. Some people may remember I was going through this list of like at, at the end A B C D E F G how to get into the 
hemisync space. Well, H is where it gets interesting, and that's what we left for this week, because in that analysis and assessment document, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Wayne there wrote up that following these next couple steps, people could do some really interesting things. So let me just read H out loud. We're going to need to dissect these, I I fear, because of the terminology. (laughs) H says... Use a multi-focus approach to solve problems of disorientation in terrestrial information gathering tips. So what that first sentence is saying, okay, we recognize that um, scientifically people have been able to do some really cool stuff with astral projection. However, when you start asking people to bring back reliable information, it gets really weird. People start bringing back information from the past about locations. Sometimes they just get very distracted along the way. Uh, All these things can cause problems. So he continues, this approach that we're proposing involves the use of three individuals in the out-of-body state. One viewing the target object here in time-space, one viewing it at focus 10 as it slips into the immediate past, and one viewing it at focus 21 as it slips from the immediate future. Then it goes on to say, debrief all three and compare data gathered from the three points of view. If care is taken to ensure that the three all go out of body together in the same environment, their consciousness energy systems should resonate in sympathetic oscillation. They can tune in to the same target on different planes or dimensions with greater effectiveness actually i don't know that i need to explain that last part a ton explain any of that that, no that works perfectly and i have a question yeah so uh my question is for those of you who don't know kyle and i um often attend michelle bell and jay's Mm -hmm. connection rituals on her facebook channel um i highly recommend them they're very quick simple you don't have to have a whole lot of expertise in um witchcraft or anything like meditation even to really attend them. They're just very wonderful. Anyway, that being said, um, so with her connection rituals, you reach out almost psychically and well, it is psychically, I should say, uh, to other people and you're forming those connections and you're building those bonds and you're kind of, since we've been in a pandemic, we haven't been able to reach out and connect to people in a physical way or an energetic way because we've all been stuck inside. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We can't do anything. So with that, it's kind of one of those things that if you're doing that, I'm curious with the different connections and how that might work. Like I think of her connection rituals and I would love to see how this hemisync states could be applied to those and be applied to connecting to other individuals in different ways. I don't even know if I'm making sense. It makes total sense. I, I will call out one thing that I am anecdotally noticing, um, and that is that folks who already have an easy time getting into meditative states may find this process to be a little too prescriptive. So I, I I will just call that out as a possible bias I would expect to see in, you know, people using that to enhance Michelle's rituals and stuff. Um, but I think hers is a fantastic example. And I, uh, I, I would very much like to sit down and do that for one of hers. I'm usually like not in the right 
her stuff hits a little too early here on the West Coast for me or, you know, mountain time. So I am usually still moving around. Like in her last one that I was watching, I was still literally standing up and like sorting laundry and everything. So I was like connected, but definitely not anywhere near going into any of these states. I really want to do that, though, in the future. Um, and, and some of these steps, Pagan, as I'm reading ahead here, are, are very much like things we got to see with House Kepru's setting of mm-hmm. the guard and stuff around locations where they're going to set up virtual spaces. Um, if I can just tip ahead here for a second, I'm going to jump down to Jay, where an official government document says, be intellectually prepared to read, uh, sorry, be be intellectually prepared to react to possible encounters with intelligent, non-corporeal energy forms when time-space boundaries are exceeded. So um, there you go, everyone. There's the government officially saying, hey, you want an alien disclosure? F that noise. They just told you they're non-corporeal energy forms that exist outside of the bounds of space-time. So, like, I don't know. I think if you're obsessed or to the point of you know, a dangerous degree with um, physical UFOs, you might want to abandon ship real fast. I don't think they're physical. Uh, They may not be physical or they might be, you know, have the capabilities of manifesting in a physical form. Boom. Well, I I personally agree, although those are two separate camps that I will caution against. The the physical UFO people do not like the other ones. Yeah, they they're not fans (laughs) with the rest of us. They they're they're the ones that are meanies. Uh, The next part, though, Kay also gets fascinating because they're saying they're suggesting to arrange a group of people in focus 12 states to unite together to get an altered consciousness to build holographic patterns around sensitive areas to repulse unwanted out-of-body presences. <laughs> Which, sounds like the House Kepper ritual. Exactly. Exactly that. By having people kind of stand guard over a space. And I just laugh because, I mean, again, I mean, people could say this is all just a crock or whatever. And I mean, I can't, I guess, argue that. Except to say the CIA didn't think it was a crock of whatever, and the Monroe Institute still doesn't think it's a crock of whatever. And it's been going on since the 50s, folks, just in this one scientific way, like just specifically this Hemisync stuff. Um, I don't know. It's it's fascinating. It's the catching up of science to validate the cult, if I may. That's where I see it. No, and I think that's great. I think it's awesome that we we're getting to see something that, you know, somebody would say, oh, that's just a bunch of hooey or mumbo jumbo or, you know, snake oil, whatever you want to call it. And now you can say, but science backed it up and so did the government. So is it really? It is truly interesting to me because uh, so to, to recover a little bit of this this timeline stuff uh, that that Monroe started having interest in it in the 50s. And then let's see, I'm skipping forward a little bit here. Uh, Monroe registers the se- first of several patents in 75. And then, I mean, they start working with the CIA stuff in, uh-oh, my phone, what's it doing? Sorry, everybody, I got a call mid-thing, and I tried to cancel it to the emergency button. Scary phone. Um, sorry. So in 2003, this got actually declassified, which is just 
very interesting it stayed under the covers for that long from from the interest in it going on in the 70s to 2003. That's a long time to keep everything locked up. Especially because they, well, as far as we know, they weren't doing anything with it, right? Well, so in the 80s is when this report was actually produced. So somewhere about 10 years of interest was going on uh, in the meantime. This is when uh, the men who stare at goats sort of stuff's happening. Lots is happening. So 83, the report goes out and then we kind of lose attention with it. More stuff that's not mentioned in this comes out around the 90s. That's more of the Stargate stuff. This one, this Vice article stayed more to the gateway. But all I can say is we shouldn't, I don't even know if there's, is it done now? It doesn't really seem to have a good reason to be done now if they had such great success with it back then. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> Who knows? I mean, the government does crazy things. Yeah. So with that being said, if they're still doing it, cool. I would like to see the reports in the next five years, governments, hint, hint. So I'd like to see what you guys are working on. That'd be neat. I do have one kind of uh, last question that I kind of wrote up yeah. from my notes and my research is when we're doing the hemi-sync stuff and we're tapping into or even, you know, transdimensional meditation, whatever you want to call it, we're tapping into the other dimensions or making connections to other individuals. Are we having a butterfly effect? Are we affecting our own dimensions and how things work? Not just, and I'm not talking about like manifestation. I'm talking about like changing things the same way the butterfly effect would. Um, I just want to hear your thoughts on it. There is no right or wrong answer. I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. Well, that's a very interesting question. Because uh, that, I well, yeah, it's it's a really interesting one to me because the butterfly effect is such a specific sort of phenomenon. That's, you know, someone going back in time, making one small alteration in the future being different. But also I have a trouble with the butterfly effect on my own part because that assumes that there's one future that is correct. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 my understanding of matter and energy is that that's not likely. So, right. I mean, my brain easier perceives that, again, everything that, everything that could happen is happening. Uh, oh, this gets really weird because some people would, would be like, that's just too far. But again, if we're to believe that there's energy outside of a vibrational or i'm sorry outside of some sort of chamber vibrational resonance chamber and that goes back to the idea we touched on earlier about the absolute where it's just raw energy in all forms which kind of means that everything in some ways does exist so i guess the question the butterfly effect just also depends on how much of the universal hologram you believe in uh yes and I don't exactly know my stance on this stuff as well. I, I, I will add very briefly that w- without knowing too much about this, one of Robert Monroe's ideas of how people get into the physical form here is very much a form of reincarnation where folks in some sort of spiritual body are traveling around and they see our human existence here on Earth. And many people are interested in trying that out. And experiencing things. 
And they come down here into the physical form. And a lot of people, he explains, kind of get stuck where upon death, he, he uses the idea of momentum and, and, and kind of like uh, we see in a lot of sci-fi shows where people are trying to get out of a, ra- a gravitational pull by slingshotting themselves. He kind of sees it as, as something similar to that, where upon death, people are almost getting sometimes further out of the like comet reincarnation or other times getting further and further and further trapped in this existence. That to me, I mean, his idea has some some flaws which have aged with time, I think. Um, in particular, one of his ideas I'm, I'm firmly not a fan of is that like certain lives are harder to get into in this one. So like when people might be coming down to this body, like to live the, the life of someone that's rich and famous, there might be like a long waiting list for that sort of life versus like if you're, you know, choosing a, a life of someone that is to be impoverished and built, you know, b- born into a harder life situation. I, I don't think that stuff has aged that well, especially as we see how the governments work and how they take advantage of us mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Uh, so we know the game is very much rigged in that way. So I don't know if the spiritual side he proposed fits it that that well. But that narrative is not very different from a lot of styles or a lot of other more mainstream ones. I mean, a lot of people have proposed the idea that if you live a virtuous life, you'll have a an easier go the next time around or something of that sort. But yeah, no, it, they talk a lot about that in Buddhism, mm-hmm. um, that if you're you know, even if you don't reach quote unquote ascension in Buddhism, uh, you can always come back and be reincarnated and try again. And the better you are with your, I guess, karmic debt. And, you know, if you have a lot of good karma, you'll lead a good life. But if you were have a lot of bad karma, you're going to, your next one's going to be pretty shitty. So it's kind of interesting to think, to see how that continues to, what's the word translate across, Mm -hmm. you know, different, uh, perspectives. So, yeah, I, I think that's very cool. That's very, very cool. It's definitely like I said, different. The butterfly effect question had no right or wrong answer. It was just something that popped in my head during my research, and I'm like, I would like to hear, you know. And for our audience that's listening, if you have a kind of thought process with that question as well, and you'd like to, you know, share it with us, we'd love for you guys to join the conversation and tell us your thoughts on yeah, it. Yeah, indeed. Truly that. And I- like, I'd, I'd love to go into more detail about the butterfly effect and maybe a future one, because, mm-hmm. well, like I said, I think I think it I think you have to be bought into a certain sort of understanding of what reality is to make the idea of the butterfly effect a, a work, which I'm not here to say is right or wrong. I, I'm here to say I don't know. I will say it's not one that I worry about very much. Like, I. Hmm. Okay. So from only my very initial readings of Eric Warko's Time Loops book that you and I have talked about before, mm-hmm. there is the implication very early on that some that, that we have particles in physics that that definitely can uh, kind of send messages that they, they can uh, they can affect the past, apparently. And I, I'm not an expert on this stuff. This gets really like super sciencey, folks. I'm not going to pretend to like speak quantum physics to you. All. I'll just embarrass myself. But he was saying that there are particles that can affect the past in different senses. And, and I think a lot of what this all borrows from and uh, this gets to the idea of what what can the human mind do? What are its limitations? The more and more I get into the occult, especially the areas that we're going down, like similar to what the new Kirks have introduced us through through Hellier, where Michelle stands on it, where uh, K 
Katie Webb stands on it. Upcoming interview, by the way, again, new one, great stuff. Uh, they all tend to stand on the idea that your your brain is the most powerful thing that you're probably touching or having access to on a regular basis. And if we all used it more and and applied less rigid thinking to it, that you might actually be able to just communicate with things that are way outside of your current understanding with very minimal effort. And that's what stands out to me about Hemisync too, is the idea that this is all very simple, that anyone can do this. Again, even I think almost even as the military accidentally shows us, even some of the most bratty brats in boot camp can do this. Even even mm-hmm. just guys who are really ready to go out there and just beat the shit out of someone, they can sit down and very easily follow these meditative tapes that will take you from a non-meditator to someone that can really easily tap into this. Now, what that does when you start messing outside of your time space, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. Because I don't know what the universal hologram really is. Uh, who all has access to adjust it? And by that logic... How much are you actually projecting of this reality? That's very true. It it really does cross a lot of, I guess, questions or throws a lot of questions, not crosses. I mean, it it throws a lot of questions out into the universe of, you know, how much are we tapping in? How much of our brain are we using? How much of our psychic energy that's attached with our brain are we using? How much of this are we doing? And there's no real clear cut answer. I mean, you could probably do some soul searching and probably figure out some of those answers. But I think ultimately, when it comes down to the process of living and figuring out what it all means, I really think the biggest thing that we can all take away from any life and any experiments that we throw ourselves into is literally just playing and experimenting and just finding that childlike wonder in everything that we do. And this types of these types of meditation, whether you come at it from the occult side or you're coming at it from the scientific chemistry side, it's another form of literally getting to play. You get to play with your brain and yeah. you get to explore the universe or the universal hologram, whatever you want to call it, it ends up being one of those things that we get to go out there and we get to say, hey, this is really cool. It's outside of my physical. I can touch it, but I'm still going to play with it and see what happens. Now, yes, there are definitely things that, you know, we talked about in the last episode of, you know, putting up your protections. What did you guys call it? The the hemisync bubble or oh something? yeah your personal energy balloon or something energy like that balloon. i i yes, have my yes. own names for them but yeah, yeah your energy balloon mm-hmm. but you know as long as you're putting up your protections because yes there are things in the astral you know i guess if you believe in them i guess if you don't believe in them they may not hurt you uh i'm not 100 percent on how that works but it's cool and it's fun and it's exciting to see where it goes and so I guess with that, you know, um, where would you like to see our Hemisync stuff take off to, Kyle? Well, that's a good question because we are doing the group stuff already right now where myself, Alex, Tanino, and Jade, we're all doing that in the Gilded Surfer. And we meet about weekly to share our results with it because um, we're all very interested in the occult and the paranormal. And we all do a lot of different reading and come at it from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. This summer is going to be really, uh, this summer slash fall, I should say, is going to be a really fun time for it because we, in talking about what direction we want to take the show, 
Uh, you guys, if you've been a longtime listener, know we've gone in a couple different ways. We went, we started doing case by or state by state cases of cryptids and all of that. Then we took it into a direction where we were going a bit deeper. And that really resonated with us in a big way, doing like Skinwalker Ranch, for example, where we got to spend a lot of time on a case. And then beyond that, with Mothman, we got to bring in experts like Carl and uh, Carl and Connor from Hellier came on there. It, it was super fun. We had Tobias and Emily from the Singular Fortean Society came by to talk about uh, their book about ongoing Mothman sightings. I love having people who are investigating the field get in on this stuff with us. But when that's not possible, I really want to start leaning on the paranormal or I'm sorry, the, 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 the psychical space, this astral space of connecting. Uh, I've got a lot of toys here that I've been able to get thanks to some subscriptions to the website. We've got uh, some spirit boxes here. We've got plenty of cameras and microphones. I've got the EEG. Uh, we've got stuff to do Gansfeld experiments. Uh, we're really stocking up on the supplies. And, and and if you've heard our bonus episode about the move to the Haunted HQ, where I'm moving into a very active house, Peggy and I have some cool plans lined up for this summer. And I'm really hoping our audience is coming along for the ride. I hope so, too. And it's really cool because we have different types of physical things that we can tap in with. You know, we've got the spirit boxes. We've got the EEG machine. And then, you know, we also have my multitudes of tarot cards and psychic cards and everything else that I've accumulated and all of that. So I think that between all of these different things, we want to kind of come at our cases in a fun, new and exciting way and do something more than just tell a story. We want to tell a story with something that seems more tangible, mm-hmm. maybe tap into something. And if we can tap into something, maybe we can communicate with something super cool. And, you know, like Kyle and I were talking about this and we were figuring it out and maybe even trying to tap into, as we were saying, Mothman. Mm-hmm. See if we can talk to Mothman. So it's cool. It's exciting. I'm excited to, you know, see where it goes and see what we can do with it and go from there. Everything I've heard has said, like, you know, with the right intention and tools, you can very easily start talking to both entities from here and beyond. Um, hey, and I, again, if you're if you're someone out there that really doubts you're talking to the real thing, and I'll put myself in that camp a lot of the time, then it also mm-hmm. begs that really interesting question the new Kirk's introduced me to, which is then what are you talking to? What is what is playing the facade? Like what's what's playing that role of that entity? So when we get cases where we can respectfully do so, that's the other thing is Peggy and I are huge about respect. So, you know, none of our cases are going to be us like barging in and like forcing things to talk to us. Uh, but what we plan on doing, I mean, just very roughly, don't hold us to this 100%, but we're thinking of doing our traditional covering a case on the show. Still would love volunteer help for that. We have lots of opportunities. If you're a researcher and interested, we could use the the legwork help. Oh, it'd be so helpful. We want to do like one-on-one calls with folks, or I'm sorry, group calls with our researchers and like chit-chat about that. We were doing it for a little bit before schedules got crazy. But um, we want to talk to some of these entities, whatever will let us, through probably our gilded calls. Um, and from there, report back onto the show. Talk about what what actually happened, what we find, if we find anything really interesting that can be shared in podcast form, especially. Otherwise, it'll go up on the blog. And that... 
mm-hmm. is where I would like to encourage people to become a member because that is um, that's that's going to be huge in me keeping the um, the the haunted HQ going because that is a beautiful 1800s farmhouse from Western PA. Pagan has uh, kind of remote viewed the place before, and there. Yeah. Cool. lots of activity there like yes. physical movement of objects and all kinds of things uh it's I, gonna be fun to see when we start doing that especially when we're start tapping in because one of the things that we were talking about the other day off air was um you know i live on a farm that has a lot of paranormal activity as well and it, what kind of just dawned on me was i wonder if my ghosts will play nice with your ghosts and if they'll start talking to each other I have no idea, but that's an but interesting I'm one. Cool. It's it, it's a cool thing, and I want to see where it goes. And I'd like to see, you know, maybe maybe we'll make ghosty friends across the country. That'll be neat. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what sort of stuff can be done like that, or or how that works. Um, I I don't even know that that place has ghosts, though. Is is the big thing? Uh, you know, it may not actually have any ghosts. They all might just be energy manifestations. Is the other thing? It might be. That's true. Uh, recently, that is very true. Heard in a where was that? Well, it was something that the New Kirks were doing where one of the spirits said something about like, "Why are you haunting me?" <laughs> Which begs the question: Are we? Oh talking i mean this is where i get interested in are they actually ghosts or are you just talking to like maybe a different timeline of yourself um gosh i mean especially when it comes on this is a whole other this is what hope segues people into future stuff but when you do think about it hauntings in your own places like could it be you like is the activity you're seeing in a space that you frequent and if it's in a space you frequent is it because you frequent it whether that means past, present, or future. I mean, you having trauma in it now. Did you have trauma in a week ago? Will you have trauma in it? Mm-hmm. And are you feeling it early? Who knows? Like it. That's why I want to go into it all. Very open-minded. Yes. And that's something that we're going to actually talk about in our interview with Katie Webb. That's yeah. coming out next week. Oh. So please tune into that because she gives some really cool insight to different types of hauntings and different types of energies. And it ties in absolutely perfectly with what you just said. So yes, come listen to it. And speaking of, like we said, for subscribers, there's going to be a bonus hour worth with Katie up there too. Like we hung out for three hours that night. So you get a full hour up here on the feed for, for everyone. And then if you are a member at the $20 level or high, you're going to get access to the bonus content. I have loosely put up there those $100 and more tiers for people that want to be super like angel investors and and super donors that want to keep um, or want to start helping with the house stuff. I, I mean, I was talking like Peggy was saying off air yesterday. We were saying it'd be great. I eventually would love to do meetups there in the future because uh, I really want to get some group experiments going. And it's in a perfect area. I mean, Michelle's stuff, like her inspiration house that people can Airbnb, is only about two hours away. So we're in like a super, and I want to say um, three hours to Point Pleasant, maybe. So again, it's like this super perfect area if you're doing a paranormal road trip. I just, I really hope to meet some great folks that way in the future. Try and do all kinds of stuff. Uh, see if we get some lights in the sky with some UFO tests is going to be it for sure. Like Pagan said, see what kind of spirits and what we can get them to interact with if they so choose. We're going to try naming that house and seeing if we can actually communicate with 
the house itself to see if the walls Ooh. can talk. And that's, that's more Katie Webb, you mm-hmm. know, uh, foreshadowing. So, so definitely much. check out the cool Katie Webb stuff that we've got coming up. Yeah. Uh, for this episode of Hemising Stuff, everyone, I think we're going to kind of put the pin in it for now. I didn't go mm-hmm. into a bunch of detail. I did tease that we would talk more about the absolute and more about the uh, the, the fact that page 25 was missing. Uh, we could happily go into some more of this in the future, especially in a couple weeks maybe do a, a circle back as summer starts to materialize more and we start to see the direction of some of this stuff. I mean, again, I think a great maybe follow-up to this episode may even just be talking about our upcoming seance, you know, just just giving people some of the feedback on that, plus wrapping up some of these things because yeah. it's going to be us putting some of our skills to the test. So if you're out there and interested, that's gilded.gg forward slash RPN to become a member of the, the Gilded. Get in there, join us for the experiment. Again, that's this Saturday, the 29th of May. That is at 6 p.m. Eastern time. You're welcome to apply there. Very, very easy, just like a Discord server works, uh, but with some more features. We, again, got the membership going on, so go check that out. Pagan, you've got your Witchy Corner podcast. Have you posted anything recently up on that feed? What's going on with your Witchy I Corner? Um, I There's a brand new full moon meditation because the full moon is this week. I want to say it's like the 26th. Mm. And it's also a Wonderful. lunar eclipse. So there's going to be some cool energies coming with that. Um, but yes, there's a nice chill full moon meditation up there right now. There will not be a new episode this coming week. We're actually taking a week off. Excellent. So, Join us for the next one, and I don't know what we're doing yet. I'll keep y'all posted. <laughs> All good. You'll, you guys have uh, those bonus episodes with Katie Webb on the 31st. I'm going to try and get two or episodes out here on the Gaming Network uh, podcast shows. So Stellaris Emergency Broadcast should have one by Friday this week, and so should Kyle's Valheim Bulletin. Oh, big shout out. You may have heard it here and elsewhere, but we are courting the Manscaped sponsor, you know, Manscaped uh, as a brand, they make all kinds of male grooming tools, nose trimmers, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. They're like many of the others. And the stuff is super solid. They sent me one of their like $85 razors in the mail, the, the lawnmower 4.0. Super great, super rechargeable. And I, I, I do, I don't like to recommend crap products. I really don't. And, and this is not one. So it gets my stamp of approval. I'm thankful for them. Use code KVB. B at checkout, KVB, like Kyle's Valheim Bulletin. Uh, that saves 20% off. You get free shipping on it. And the coolest part of all is you're literally helping us build a connection with that brand because we're in a trial phase, see how many things we can sell and um, see if that show gets netted in for that. And if that works, then we're also in talks for having them sponsor other shows on the network like this one. So literally, folks, if you're looking to shop for someone in your life, uh, however that works, you know, you want to buy it for yourself or others, or I always tell people if you want to send a passive aggressive message that they need to groove better, you could use KVB at checkout. So bingo, help them and me. That would be, that would be a fun thing to do to someone. So if you're a prankster, definitely do it, please. Uh, and it counts for me. So that's, I think all the shout out. Oh, there is one last shout out. There's always the refer.fm shout out. This is the one that I don't do enough. You get a free month of uh, becoming a listener up on the website. If you go to refer.fm forward slash chaos, share it with your friends. I want to get some extra things up there. Expect 
that there will be stickers at probably about 15 shares. So if you get that out there with 15 people, uh, you can share that respectfully however you want. Don't break any server rules or whatever by posting the show. But truly, hey, talk about us on Reddit. Talk about us on Twitter. Talk about us on Facebook because that's how people find it. You sharing the show with people and now you have an incentive to do it where you actually get perks for it. That can get you $20 a month a free thing. Uh, free a membership so you can dive into all the goodies that's it pagan that's the last for me <laughs> there we go that's all we gotta Boom. promote that's all the cool stuff come check out all the really awesome stuff that's going to be up on the network yes. um check out the katie webb interview that's Oof. coming out next week and come join us for the virtual seance yes. it's gonna be fun absolutely everyone in the meantime you stay safe get all the links in the podcast show notes and we will talk to you soon bye-bye everyone bye-bye Are you enjoying listening to the Revelator Podcast Network? Support this show and others by going to revelatornetwork.com. We've got five shows and growing with Chaos and Shadow, Pagan's Witchy Corner, Kyle's Communist Book Club, Kyle's Valheim Bulletin, and Stellaris Emergency Broadcast. We've got something covered for the occult lovers, the gamers, and soon to be many, many more. Make sure you subscribe to that blog while you're there. Don't miss out on our newsletter if you become a member. We're doing ad-free feeds, bonus audio episodes, member badges, and roles on our exclusive Gilded server. Find everything you need at revelatornetwork.com.